Hello and welcome to Fatal Femmes, a podcast surrounding the women of mystery. Each episode will focus on a mystery, suspense, or thriller written by or made famous by a female-identifying artist. We're your hosts, Laura Celeste and Lacey Kenny-Gonzalez. Stay tuned. Today we are talking about Miss Sherlock, produced by Hulu Japan and HBO Asia, starring Yuko Takauchi and Shihori Kanjiya. We want to caution you that this episode is full of spoilers. We get in-depth on the mystery of this pilot episode. So if you care about that, go watch the episode and come back. We'll be waiting. This episode also contains trigger warnings for violence and blood and gore and dead children. To get us started, here's the synopsis. Miss Sherlock depicts consulting detective Sarah Sherlock Shelley Futaba solving various mysteries in modern-day Tokyo. Sherlock is assisted by her flatmate, Dr. Wato Tachibana, a doctor who has recently returned from volunteering medical aid in Syria. Because of Sherlock's keen observational and deduction skills, she is frequently asked by the inspector of the Metropolitan Police to help with cases. Have you read any of the original Sherlock Holmes stories? I haven't read any of those. So what is your relationship to Sherlock Holmes? Well, like most kids, I saw The Great Mouse Detective, which I know is inspired by Sherlock. I think that's an excellent adaptation. And then I saw the Robert Downey Jr. movies, which I think the first one was pretty good if I remember correctly. I wasn't super impressed because I can't remember them at all. I think the best adaptation or the best Sherlock-related show that I've seen is the BBC adaptation with Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman. Sherlock Holmes doesn't have a good history of female characters or really dealing with women. It's it's a you know it was written by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, so male writer, two lead male characters. There was Irene. She's not a lead character, but supporting role. They made her a larger character in the Robert Downey Jr. movies, they, yeah, and in the BBC show. But in the original stories, she was only in one story. It's Irene Ab. Didn't Rachel McAdams play her? She played her in the Robert Downey. Irene Adler. Yes. Irene Adler. And yeah. then there's the um, woman that marries Watson. Mary. Mary Watson. <laughs> She's only like briefly mentioned in the stories when Watson tells her basically like, oh, I'm going to go help Sherlock do something. Bye. So it sounds like more modern interpretations have built on those female characters. Right. So this is really cool because it's... This is the first version that features a female Sherlock that I know of. There is a book series, which I'll talk about at the end, Mm -hmm. which predates this. The first... There's three books out now. The first one came out a couple years ago, which is a female Sherlock, Charlotte Holmes. Ah, okay. And the landlady character is actually her Watson. Oh, yeah, that's another really important character, Mrs. Hudson. Yeah, Mrs. Hudson. Oh, I guess, so yes, there there yeah. is one, like, lead female character. In this book series, the first one is called A Study in Scarlet Women, and it was really good. It is, a you know, a British version again, so you've got a white Sherlock, whereas this one features Japanese Sherlock. Yeah, well, because it's shot in Japan, so they used Japanese actors. Of all the adaptations I can think of, Sherlock's always white been white yeah well that's not uncommon in our entertainment world and of course we have elementary which was one of the first yes major ones to do a female watson yes we had an asian watson that was really cool lucy Liu. yeah love her but this this is really exciting and it's one of the first adaptations that i've seen in a while where sherlock isn't just 
a complete and total jerk. Like, yeah, because I think Benedict Cumberbatch, because he's such a good actor, not to talk about him too much, but he's such a good actor that he does make the char- character redeemable, endears him to to the audience, but he isn't very pleasant. You like him because he's funny, but to deal with a person like that would be very difficult. I've also heard arguments from different people in the fields that relate back to this issue. This interpretation of, of um, Sherlock by Cumberbatch may potentially be a person on the spectrum which if you're unfamiliar with that basically a neurodiverse person that might be on the spectrum of autism because of how particular he is i can't speak to that i don't know anything about that i just heard some argument for that which is interesting but um going back to this i think that this interpretation of sherlock by yuko takauchi is a lot more relatable and approachable of a sherlock she still doesn't have a lot of time for the niceties of society. She gets right to the point. She's very direct, but it's never, it never feels malicious or coming from a place of superiority. It's just, this is what I need to ask you. So let's get to the point so I can do my job. People don't seem to hate this version of Sherlock as much as they hate Benedict Cumberbatch's version. There is a a scene in the beginning of the pilot episode where one of the younger cops says, calls her a weirdo oh yeah but they didn't call her a jerk or some other name they said she was weird but not necessarily rude yeah they had kind of a tense back and forth but it seemed like the inspector had a very good rapport with sherlock in this version and it kind of seemed like it was more playful it didn't really feel as as mean as it has gotten in other cases yeah this sherlock didn't treat everybody like they were just complete and other idiots right they just treated them like i need to know these things you need to do your job efficiently why aren't you doing your job efficiently is something wrong with you that you're not doing your job efficiently yeah not like you are the stupidest person that i've ever encountered in my entire life right and i think there there is a big difference there <laughs> yeah there's a bit yeah there's different intentions completely so the episode opens with Watto. Watto Tachibana. Yes. um, On a plane. And she's looking through some letters that had been sent to her. And she gets to the airport and she meets her mentor, this doctor that had written her all of these letters while she was volunteering in Syria. The character is Takayuki Mizuno. And so she meets him at the airport and he's welcoming her back and it's clearly that they have a good relationship it seems very much like a mentor mentee sort of scenario yeah you well, can tell immediately that she thinks the world of him though it's very apparent on her face she's very fond of him and he's very happy to see her too a little more reserved she's talking to him there's a pop yeah a pop it, it yeah like it just it sounds like kind of a dull pop not like a gunshot no. and he falls and you don't know what happens she turns him over rips his shirt open and there's this gaping hole in his midsection so something happened that caused a giant hole to appear in his midsection never good and the police show up this is when the inspector tells this younger detective to take the pictures i think it's inspector ryman and they're going to send them to the quote-unquote weirdo and this weirdo is sherlock is sherlock we first meet her digging into this hole in the doctor's digging, midsection. Digging through his entrails. And she's lifting out these little pieces of stuff. Oh. It turned my stomach so much. I mean, good for her getting right in there, but I'm just like, ooh, this 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 is fun. This is 
This is a fun activity. And she says that she can't have a someone doing the autopsy messing up the evidence. So she's doing it herself. This is also the time when the inspector brings in the wife of the man that has died. To identify the body. As well as Watto uh, that's accompanying her because they have this exchange in the hallway and Watto's very upset and the wife is too. But it's a really odd interaction because it just doesn't seem, I don't know, there was some disconnect for me there. You could feel that Watto wanted to hug her and come to her and comfort her, probably for herself more than anything, because she was feeling, oh, how is the wife feeling? So I think there was a lot of emotion happening, but they they don't really touch a whole lot. And I know in Japanese culture, there's not a whole lot of touching. It just, it felt like there was something that wanted to be there that wasn't there. And that's an interesting thing. You know, in American shows, there are people hug each other. They touch each other a lot. I'm a person who doesn't touch people a lot. So that's always kind of weird to me. So I was expecting her to rush over and hug her and when she didn't it was interesting because that would have been my reaction I never see that what would have been your reaction to not touch the person to, to go them over and to talk to them and to comfort them but not to necessarily hug them see I'm completely opposite but we know this is not the only thing that we are opposite about but I am very much a touchy touchy person and I would want to just completely envelop the person and just like hold them and make them safe but yeah so that was just that was an interesting interaction and I don't know if that says anything about the relationship between the two women or more common on the society not being an expert in Japanese culture yeah I don't know that's something for us to do our research on but I have heard from friends that that do delve more into the Japanese culture that it is in a culture that is a huge fan of huggy type things it's very it's a very respectful culture and Lots of bowing, which I, I actually, I really liked how they infused the Japanese culture in, into the show itself. It was interesting to see that and learn a little bit because it's not something I'm familiar with. Oh, uh, where were we? They come in to identify the body. As she's digging through his entrails. Right. And she finds this little like microchip thing in him that was the cause of the explosion. And she is then interrogating the wife. wife of- and getting right in there like. What was your sex life like? Why don't you have kids? Asking all these very, very personal, pointed questions. And this woman just starts crying immediately almost. Just like loses it, starts crying. Watto has the instinctive feeling to cover her, like lay her down on the chairs and like cover her with a coat. I think she was in shock and they were trying to warm her up. I, I feel okay. like it was a, a doctory thing that she was doing and not necessarily a, like a, a comforting thing. thing. Yeah. It was more like, oh, let's make sure she doesn't, this doesn't cause lasting damage or something. Yeah. Like that. Okay, that makes sense because I, I thought it was really funny because I'm like, why are you pushing her down, like to lay down and like cover her with a coat? Why do you think keeping her warm will make her less sad? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was like she doesn't pass out or okay. something. That makes sense, but I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I wouldn't know these things. I'm like, stop covering her up. She's fine. They die. <laughs> and so Watto follows Sherlock out. First she says, why did you treat her like that? That was very rude. Sherlock's like, I just needed to know this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then she says, I want you to find out who did this. And this is when we also find out that Sherlock doesn't work for the police, that she is a consulting detective. We see Watto in her hotel room and she can't sleep. Probably because she has been in a different country with a different time zone. Also, she's had a really traumatic first day back. Oh yeah, you you have the combination of jet lag and trauma. I don't really foresee sleep happening unless you're medicated. 
And so she's looking back over the letters that the doctor sent her again while she was in Syria. And the next day, she finds where Sherlock lives and goes to see her. And this is when we meet the Mrs. Hudson character. And I just love this lady. She's so charming. Miss Hudson's throughout the adaptations of Sherlock that I have seen are just normally really wonderful characters. Very inviting. I, I haven't found one that I dislike. She tells Watto that Sherlock's real name is not Sherlock, but it's a name that she took after something happened, and that she should ask her about this thing that happened. And they go and knock on the door, and in true Sherlock fashion, she's so wrapped up in what she's doing that she doesn't even notice that somebody's knocking at the door and yelling for her. I, I also, it's so frustrating that we still don't know what the thing was that happened, why she was called Sherlock. Because they didn't say, right? No, not in that episode. I didn't think so. I'm like, ah! I was just reminded of that, because I cannot stop it when they're like oh ask this person and you don't get the resolution it's like i must know well you have to watch the rest of the series no 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 you tell me and that's why i watch the series win my trust earn my trust don't make me beg for it all right i have feelings about this as a ploy in storytelling at least this particular one because i want to know <laughs> so the first thing that sherlock does is to insult watson's clothing well she completely like sizes her up like you can tell that she's completely made a judgment about watson and knows exactly what she thinks she needs to know about her she tells her that she can't think straight when her aesthetic is so violated or something yeah like she's so she's dressed so badly that sherlock cannot concentrate take that in <laughs> like if she saw us right now she would probably just be like well i quit yeah because i am in linen shorts and my work shirt <laughs> so aesthetics are very important to Sherlock. She throws this really expensive coat at her and says, here, put this on. And Watson holds it open and it's got blood all it's in it. It's got a big blood stain. And she, she like wrapped up a decapitated head in it or something. She said, I used it to wrap up a dismembered body. Oh, that's what it was. And so it's like, great, let me put this on my body. I love, I love pieces with a story. <laughs> and so Sherlock is doing some research on this company that's selling this little pill that I guess you swallow it and it tells you about what's going on with your body so you it's can... like it's like the iphone app the iphone health app but like you ingest it and it tells you like what's wrong with you or what you need to work on and then your calories and all that and sends all the information to your phone of course miss hudson is like immediately interested in this she's like "Ooh, this could tell me how many calories i'm eating and i could lose that extra weight i can't remember but she's she is completely on board for it me i'm like i don't know if i want something inside me feeding data to a computer <laughs> It would help a lot of health issues, but also it's one step closer to making us robots. Yeah, well, it's one step closer to robots just using us as giant remote controls. Because if it's inside of us, they just have to, like, press the right neurons and we just do whatever they want. The Matrix is going to happen. There was a movie, and I can't remember what it was called, but basically, like, the guy got something implanted in his brain stem. I can't remember what it was called. It's called Upgrade? Upgrade, Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's great in theory, but what about all of these other things? And the movie ends really disturbingly. But that's that's a whole other thing. But that, I thought of that when they were talking about this digital pill that you swallow and it tells computers what's wrong with you and, or what's right with you. This person would be a perfect candidate for our experiments. And then Sherlock gets a text that they found another body, and she's pretty excited about this. It's excited as you would imagine Sherlock would be, and too much to the uh, um, horror of Watosan. 
Watto asks if she can go along with her, and Sherlock says, do you want the truth, or are you just curious? And she says she wants the truth. So she invites her along and says, I may ask for your opinion as a doctor. And they go to look at this other body that also had a hole explode in its abdomen. There was a piece of him missing. The piece was his midsection. They check his mouth to see if he has any cuts, and Sherlock says that he didn't know that he was ingesting the little microchip thing. Well, and she's able to tell by his keychain that he's a or he's a recovering drug addict, just from all the, like the little keychains he has. I guess the, that's like their sobriety pins or their sobriety medallions are these little keychains, and so she's able to de- to deduce that he is a recovering drug addict. They go to the club that he would frequent. That's right. They find out that he was recovering. Well, he well, uh, but also he's kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. He would take anything and everything and be yeah. on and off the wagon pretty pretty much. And that he would hang out with this DJ who was also a super great guy that sold all this stuff. The the mega douche. Cuz they find out the DJ guy. They find out him. And then they find his name on a list of people that donated to, like, fund this pill that you ingest that, like, that like keeps your health stats. Yeah. So they find his name attached to that. And, like, the amount of money that he donated got him four yeah. of the pills. Yeah. He was, he donated a bunch of money. He was one of the top donators. Yeah. So Sherlock figures out that these pills are being rewired or reprogrammed as bombs and being detonated inside people. So they think this DJ, and I cannot remember his name, is behind this. Yes. So they immediately look out to find him. We also met Sherlock's older brother there. What was his name? Kento? They never said his name. I thought he had a name. He does have a name, but they they never said it. And does he have a name? Sherlock introduces Watto as the homeless, jobless something. Yes, Kento Futaba. Okay, you know. Yeah, the most pathetic introduction. Like, this is the homeless, jobless, poorly dressed person that I have so generously allowed to accompany me. Yeah, something like that. Pretty much how you want to introduce me to people. And Watto <laughs> You're my Watto. No, because I, I, no, but yes, that looks funny. Touche. I don't remember exactly when this scene happens, but at some point, Watto goes to visit the widow. She's talking to her about her husband. Yes, Akiko. About how much her husband meant to her and the letters that really helped her while she was in Syria. This is when she tells her that she's not going to be a doctor anymore because while she was in Syria, people were looking at her and she was on the spot and had to do things and she froze and couldn't give people the treatment that they needed. Yeah, so she was feeling very insecure about her position. Not a lot of confidence. And she can't go home because her parents didn't want her to go to Syria. So they are like, don't come home. So she's just kind of floating right now. Yeah. Can you imagine, though, going through all of the training to become a doctor and then realizing it's not what you want to do? No, honestly, I can't. That's a complete dissolution of a reality that has been your whole reality. It's starting at square one. So she's basically in square one of life because she's gone through all of these phases and become a doctor and work as a doctor. And now she's like, I don't want to do that anymore. So she's kind of in a in a state of just like, like Laura said, floating. She doesn't really know quite what she wants to do. But I just, I can't imagine what that feels like putting so much work and money and time and effort into something and then realizing it's not what you want to do. This is a good start for her narrative 
kind of looking for something more, something different. She sees the wife fix this little girl's hair. Oh, yeah, because they're walking out. They're walking somewhere, and they walk past this little girl that her hair's messed up. And the wife, and and her and the, the professor didn't have any children, but the woman is very maternal to this little girl and fix her hair and spends time with her and talks to her and is very sweet with her. And it's a very little, it's a very precious exchange. This DJ that they had been looking into takes this little pill. Oh, this he is, takes it too? This is the third pill. Yeah, yeah he takes it because he's just trying to get high. He's fallen off the wagon. He kind of goes a little crazy and his girlfriend calls the police and says, hey, he's gone a little crazy. Well, yeah, he's like violent. He's muttering about the devil and we see him walk the devil's gonna kill him. down this alleyway and he pulls his paper bag out of this like vent thing and there's a gun. Which in Japan, it is very difficult to get a gun. Being in America where we have so much access to guns, it's something we don't really think about. He has this gun and he bursts into this um, sobriety group where they're having basically like their AA meeting. He's yelling at this guy, you have to die please die his hand is shaking so bad he can't even hardly hold the gun Mm -hmm. and so he shoots off around it misses the guy and he shoots him in the leg and you know the guy's screaming he's screaming in bursts sherlock and the cops and they tackle him to the ground subdue him and i think they do so without shooting him if i'm correct right and that's when sherlock tells them oh yeah he's got a bomb inside of him So they call an ambulance for the guy who was shot and bomb control for the guy with the bomb in him. The bomb in his belly. Yes. The belly bomb. We find out this guy, the guy that he just shot, and the other guy who got his stomach exploded, not the doctor, but the the second guy. The second victim, the younger guy. We're all in the same rehab center together. Mm. And we find out that on this DJ's tablet... He saw this article about this guy who had killed a little girl and went to rehab and then was just released from rehab. Well, the guy that he tried to kill was the guy who... Was in the article. Yeah, was in the article. The guy that tried to... Or the guy that did kill the little girl. Sherlock says, find out who her parents were. Oh, yeah. So they go back to visit Akiko. And Sherlock's talking to her and says, you're the killer. Yeah, because she was like, I know who it is. And how she was able to deduce this was because one was the stamps on the letters that the professor sent to Watto while she was in Syria were all from the same booklet. And then the stamp, what letter was it on? It was a complaint to the rehab center saying that they shouldn't let this guy out. Yeah, it was was basically a complaint making a case why this guy shouldn't be released yet. It was from the same book of stamps and it was the only one missing out of the book. She was able to deduce that. And then she realized that the woman, Akiko, made a donation to this company to fund this pill, to get the four pills in the in the other dude, the DJ's name, to get the pills. And Akiko works in pharmaceuticals and was a- actually able to create the bombs inside the pills and then package them because she was the mother of this little girl that, was, that this man killed quite violently with a knife. It yeah. was really messed up although i do have to say it was very apparently fake like it was a really good child actor because she like went limp she was dead but it was almost like they smeared ketchup on her on the front of her which i appreciate because sometimes in entertainment especially in america things get so graphic and for me it's like i i hate i hate seeing dead bodies in general that's really 
disturbing to me, but seeing dead children or dead animals, it's really just another level of disturbing to me because it's something so innocent and it's so graphic. And we shouldn't, in entertainment, get used to seeing that image real we yeah because i feel like that's a huge problem in our society now is we're so desensitized to images of crime and murder that sometimes we don't really think about that it was a human this was a human being with a life and a family and loved ones that died i kind of appreciate it not being so graphic Occasionally, I do enjoy the old westerns and stuff where somebody gets shot and there's literally no blood. Yeah, but that also does something too because that glamorizes it too because it makes it seem like shooting someone's no big deal. Well, that's true. So it's like on one hand, it's like, oh, the blood and the guts is kind of a lot, but also that can be seen as desensitizing too. But I understand what you're saying. It's just kind of like a little less graphic. But anywho, so Akiko was able to manufacture these bombs in retaliation for this man killing her daughter. She wanted another addict to kill him. Yes. And the reason that her husband had to die was because he noticed this large sum of money and was questioning her about it and there was really nothing that she could say. Because the large sum of money was missing or the large sum of money was there? It didn't say, it just said that he noticed this transfer of this large sum of money. She couldn't have him questioning that. So she gave him a pill, told him it would make him feel better, and detonated the bomb while he was at the airport to meet Watto. She's always clutching her chest. It looks like she's having chest pains, and Watto even makes a comment about it. Are you having chest pains? She has on this piece of mourning jewelry, which Sherlock says is a European tradition. I've never heard of it, so I'm not sure what country it's from specifically or what culture it is, but it basically is is a locket that has the little girl's hair inside that's and it's in a very intricate braid she wears it all the time and she opens it and is looking at the hair of this little girl and is having this complete emotional breakdown crying saying how she, she loved her more than anything and that she didn't deserve to die wasn't fair and Watto tells her she knew sure that the little girl loved her and that she wouldn't want to see her living in this hate and vengeful life yeah she was completely consumed by it which on one hand like I understand that but when you're telling that to someone that is so consumed by grief because this woman this had happened 10 years previously I think so even though it had been so long she's still was grieving as if this child had just passed away the day before. I don't have any personal experience of dealing with the loss of a child. I think anyone that has can really echo Akiko's sentiments. It's just, it's it's still fresh and it never quite goes away. And to never have resolution on it and know that the killer is walking the streets. I couldn't imagine what that's like. The actor that plays Akiko really does a, a great job of conveying that grief. So I do understand what Watto's saying, but on one hand, I'm like, if I were this woman, I wouldn't listen to her what she's saying because I would be consumed by my own shit. Akiko says you're right and she stops crying and she stands up and she walks over to the table and she picks up her phone. And at this point as she's walking to the table I had a pretty good suspicion of what was about to happen and my thoughts were confirmed when Sherlock goes no stop and she detonates Akiko detonates the bomb inside of her because she had taken the fourth pill. Pop! and down on the ground. Watto is concerned about trying to see if she can save her, whereas Sherlock runs over, grabs her, and starts shaking her and says, tell me who's behind this. Tell me who's behind this. Because Sherlock knows that she couldn't have done this on her own. All the money, the liquid bomb. Because it was a massive amount of money. And then it would have been a massive amount of work to turn these pills into bombs. 
So there's somebody higher up behind this. So while Wata is trying to save this woman's life, <laughs> Sherlock's over there shaking her, trying to get information. But, of course, to no avail, the woman is already dead. We end the episode with them outside talking to Sherlock's brother. He asks Watto what she's going to do, and she says that she doesn't know that she will think about it in her hotel room. To which the police reply, oh, that burned down. There's nothing left. Yeah, so she's basically like, I don't know. I'll, I guess I'll figure it out while I'm roaming the streets. Sherlock's brother says, you should stay with Sherlock. And Sherlock kind of, I don't know what that look on her face was. I don't know if she was like, no, or yes, or what are you talking about? But she tells Watto at the very end that she's going to make her regret her decision. Is that what she says? Yes. And it's just like, oh, that's not intimidating at all. Yeah. Maybe I'll stay with you tonight and not anymore. Yeah, but then that's when the brother says, oh, Watto. Watto-san, which I love that so much. It just calls back to the original Sherlock and Watson, and but it completely infuses the Japanese culture into it. So bravo to whoever made that decision. It was my absolute favorite thing about the episode. Because we don't know that that's, we don't know that Watto is her name until this point. Right. They only referred to her as doctor doctor or tachibana or um, they don't call her wato this is when we find out that and i thought it was a really cool reveal which maybe we could have done a better job of that reveal and not called her wato this whole time i just that was my favorite thing about the episode take that for what you will but i just loved how they were able to infuse sherlock within this culture and marry it together so well so what was your opinion overall what were your overall thoughts about this this premiere episode of miss sherlock I thought it was great. One thing that I think is really interesting. So the first Sherlock Holmes story that was ever published was A Study in Scarlet. And so far, pretty much every adaptation that I've seen of it uses this as the inspiration for their first episode. Sherlock, the BBC one, did A Study in Pink, a book series that I'm going to talk about at the end, did A Study in Scarlet Women. And this one, even though it's called The First Case, is also an adaptation of A Study in Scarlet. For whatever reason, everybody just wants to stick with this as their their first episode. So what was your overall impression? I think it was really, really good. Sherlock is good and, you know, smart without being, like, superhuman. She pointed out all the stuff as to why she knew that Watson was a doctor, but it wasn't, like... Oh, and I can tell from the right eyelash on your left eye that you blink too much and that means blah, blah, blah. It, w it was more like a, it seemed more like a skill that was acquired as, as a result of practice rather than a superpower. Which is how um, Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock kind of seems like he has a superpower. Yes. So I really enjoyed that. I like how she's obsessed with fashion, but yet her apartment was a complete and utter wreck. So obsessed with aesthetics. Because that's yeah. what she says. Because it's fashion, aesthetics, it's how things look. But yeah, her apartment was in complete disarray. It had beautiful items, and you could tell that it was very tastefully decorated when it wasn't covered in papers and bloody trench coats. Yeah. But one of my big issues right now is high heels. These, like, super, super stilettos. And I think that they are an extreme form of sexism that try to keep 
women in pain and ruin their backs. But she wore them. But they them... make your butt look so good. They do. I'm sorry. That I'm setting back everything. But no, they do. They're and if you like wearing those, then I see more power to you. But but, that's, I... but as a detective, it doesn't seem very realistic to wear those super high heel boots or shoes. You would be in something more reasonable. Right. But as a consulting detective, she wears those, and I thought it worked. I thought it worked really well for her. She just, she looked sleek, stylish, but also not unattainable. Right. Like, the clothes she wore looked like she could actually move and function in them. And it didn't feel like, oh, everything is straight off the runway. Even though it might have been. It just, it everything felt very real. And I loved the characterizations. I thought Watto was fantastic. Both of these women are utterly beautiful, but without having to be over the top. It, it's very, it's very natural beauty. And they're not relying on that. They're good actors. Right. It's never like, oh, she's so pretty. And she's a good actor. It's a, it definitely, the acting comes before you notice how they look. And so overall, I'd, I'd give this an A. Yeah, I really enjoyed this interpretation. I loved everything that you said I really agree with. One thing is I love how the writing fits into the world of Sherlock, the BBC version, because it easily could have been an episode there if you just switched a few things around. It was really a testament to the writing how well the story flowed, because that's one of the strongest things about Sherlock, the BBC version, is the writing. The writing is incredible, especially for the first series. I think that the writers did an incredible job mastering that feel. And apparently there has been a huge Sherlock Holmes following in Japan for a long time. They have this big society where it's invitation only that is a Sherlock Holmes like fan club. It took a while for all the stories to be translated into Japanese. In this one article that I was reading, the Japanese people really, really love Sherlock Holmes. And I will post the link to this article in the show notes. I think it's also a really great example of representation in media. Because while this is HBO Asia, people in America are watching this. And I think that that's great, having representation for Asian women. Definitely. And again, but also representation for women, too, because you have two very strong, intelligent, strong in different ways, women working together together. They're not fighting over a man. There isn't a man to be seen. There isn't a romance. Not yet, at least. This relationship is established. It is a working relationship. And it doesn't depend on the fact that they are women or, or men. And you have two different kinds of women that are getting along. You've got this one that is in these that look to me like killer shoes. And this other one that is wearing these clothes that she kept from college that are comfortable and functional and they're not being like oh i can't talk to you because you're not dressed there's there's no right. superiority actually she does say she can't talk to her well that's she's right. not dressed right she does that's true <laughs> um so um, but there's no competition and i have to look better than you or i have to be superior to you in any way shape or form it is very much a true detective sidekick relationship and i appreciate that one thing that i was reading before doing this episode and i haven't watched all of the episodes in this series yet i've seen two but that's why we're only covering the first one but they said that it really brings out the friendship 
of Sherlock and Watson. Because especially in the BBC series, you wonder kind of why Watson sticks around because Sherlock is such an awful person to him. Whereas in the original stories, yeah, Sherlock was really difficult, but they were friends, they were partners, they worked together. But that's also what's cool about Sher this Sherlock too, is they don't shy away from making her difficult. She still is difficult and blunt in an approachable way, but they don't shy away from making her that character because she is a woman. They don't try to nice her up. She definitely isn't, I wouldn't say that she's nice by any means, I just she doesn't feel as dislikable as the Benedict Cumberbatch version, mm -hmm. which I hate to keep making that comparison, but that's the latest adaptation that I've seen. So it's like, and it, and the writing was so close. The feel was very similar too. So I think that's why I keep drawing comparisons. I like her Sherlock a little bit more in the approachability department and not being such a butthead, but still them not shying away from making her complex. I highly, highly recommend watching this. Absolutely. And I think, if we can jump to recommendations really fast, that's going to be my recommendation is to continue watching the series. Check it out. It's on HBO. If your parents have an HBO Go or you have an HBO Go or your friend has an HBO Go, watch it. Have a watching party. Get all your friends together. Let us know what you think. So my recommendation is a little bit on the nose, but it is another female Sherlock series um, starting with A Study in Scarlet Women. This is a, again, a European version of Sherlock Holmes. She's Charlotte Holmes. This was a really fun adaptation. I didn't want to read it when my book club suggested it because I love Sherlock Holmes so much and I thought, oh, this is going to be not good. And I actually really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the characters. I like Charlotte's sister. I like the other people she encounters. So I highly recommend checking this out. And this is by Sherry Thomas, who is also of Asian descent. Um, I also had another, I also had another recommendation. I haven't watched this, but it's one I want to. My coworker actually told me about this over the weekend. It's called The Kettering Incident. And it's about a woman who lives in London, but she is from Tasmania. And she finds herself inexplicably linked between two disappearance cases that are 15 years apart. And this stars a woman. And it is also created by a woman. Oh, nice. Um, created by Vicki Madden and starring Elizabeth Debicki. So I thought that seems kind of up our alley. So that's kind of a recommendation for you and I and also listeners. I'm very excited to check that out. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that on my next day off. So real quick, before we jump into our person of interest, I wanted to recommend a podcast to you guys. Yeah. There's a podcast I've been listening to for a while now called Women Reading Women, and they just had a great episode about Shirley Jackson, who we covered in our last podcast about the haunting. They get really in-depth on her life and what happened to her and some of her other works that we only touched on. So I really recommend checking them out, and that's Women Reading Women. It's a great additional piece just for deeper understanding and learning about Shirley Jackson and the work she created. So our person of interest in this episode is actually my roommate and very good friend, Dupin. He recommended this show to us. I'd never heard of it before. And he said, why don't y'all check out that new Lady Sherlock show? I think those are his exact words. Probably. Which is great. Not problematic at all. But um, Dupin really enjoys Japanese culture and Japanese entertainment. So he had seen this already and really enjoyed it and suggested it to us. So for that, Dupin, or Michael Dupin, which is his full name, is our person of interest. 
Thanks for listening and thanks for giving our suggestion. If you have a suggestion for us, let us know because we are always looking for new things and you may end up being our person of interest. Absolutely. So make sure to email or post on our Facebook page or our Twitter. So thank you again, Michael Dupin, and be sure to keep those suggestions coming in. Over the weekend, uh, we actually both participated in a film project here in Austin, Texas, which is called the 48-Hour Film Project. It's done all over the United States, but this is um, the Austin one, and it was the sci-fi-themed one. Laura actually headed up the script, and I was fortunate enough to make my directorial debut filming, and it was a lot of fun. And we just wanted to tell you guys quickly about it because it is going to premiere in Austin on December 2nd at the Austin Film Society Theater. And we will have more information about that probably on our Facebook and Twitter pages. But keep an eye out for that because we are eligible for several awards, including Best Script, Directing, Acting, and Viewer's Choice. And that is decided by the audience. So the more people we have in the audience, the better. And we highly encourage you to check out the 48-hour film project because it's really fun. You basically get a genre, a required prop, line of dialogue, and a character or a character type. And you set out to write a script, film, and edit the entire thing within 48 hours and have it submitted just in time. <laughs> this one was a much smoother, pleasant experience than some that I've worked on before. It was a lot of fun. It was really cool that the writing team were able to knock out an entire script, a seven, almost a seven-minute short, in less than four hours. I was really impressed with our writing team, which Laura headed up. We were really fortunate to have a really diverse group of people. A lot of women, predominantly women, LGBTQ plus members. And it was really great to see everyone working together for this common goal. And then to have a really diverse cast and crew working too. Maybe a few more women next time, but there's always room for improvement and we learn a little bit more each time. And if you are interested in filmmaking, definitely check out the 48-Hour Film Project in your city. So yeah, as Lacey said, keep a watch. We will post information about the screening. And and yeah, come hang out, come see our short, and chat with us. But I just want to thank everyone for listening, and make sure to like and subscribe and rate. Here is a clue for our next episode. You knew it. You knew that she wore it, and yet you deliberately suggested I wear it. Why do you hate me? What have I done to you that you should ever hate me so? Thank you for listening to this episode of Fatal Fems. To keep up with us, please follow us on Twitter at Fatal underscore Fems. Have a suggestion or comment for the show? Shoot us an email at fatalfemspodcast at gmail.com. While you're at it, make sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. We hope you enjoyed today's episode because if you didn't, we'll find you. Thanks for listening.